I love it when God confirms things. And uh, Ashish, we didn't talk this morning, but it was really neat. This morning I got up and I was asking the Lord about uh, what was on his heart for today. And one of the things that I especially heard him talking about was peace and joy. Yeah, yeah. I just, I really feel like God wants to lead us in knowing and experiencing his peace and joy more in our lives. And how many know that is incredibly important? You know, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit, right? And, uh, and if we are to be his kingdom ambassadors, as, as we're called to be, our lives should look like peace and joy. Peace and joy is not something that we have to try and manufacture or work about in our lives or is dependent on our circumstances, as she said. It is a fruit of the spirit. And I thought maybe we could begin this morning by just taking a moment to, you know, if you're I mean, growth doesn't happen without us being a little bit uncomfortable, right? So if, even if you are a little bit uncomfortable, if you could stand up and, and find somebody to release God's peace and joy over in their life. It is a fruit of the Spirit. We're to be filled with the Spirit. And so just find somebody for a moment that you can pray over, that's willing to have you pray over them, and just, just release God's peace, release His joy in their life. And pray that they be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to pray for all of those of you that are online right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release. We release your peace and joy. We release your peace. Your kingdom rule and reign in every area of the lives of the people that are watching this morning with us online. God, we ask for a fresh infilling of joy. That your joy would be their strength in Jesus' name. We pray that you would fill fill, fill again and again and again to overflowing, oh God, as we drink of your spirit, as we acknowledge your presence, oh God, yeah, as we surrender to your work, fill us up, fill us up. We want to be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let your peace reign in our hearts and minds. Come on. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. It is a joy to be with you and uh, to see so many of you here today. Thank you for braving the weather and showing up. Somebody must be hungry. Amen. Somebody, you guys have got to be an expectant people to be here Sunday morning. You know, in the in the midst of this weather, you you got to be a, a grateful people. Amen. You must be a people in love that, that wants somebody to know it. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. Man, you guys are amazing. And uh, I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. Uh, I have a, a confession to make. I, I'm not great at math. I'm not. Uh, I, was, I was listening to the radio this week. Uh, uh, CFRB 1010, and uh, the radio host uh, was talking about how uh, he, he wasn't even sure that he could do grade four math, so somebody challenged him, and they're like, well, we were bringing on a math teacher, and we're going to send you through this, this test, and so on the radio, they're doing this test, and he had to answer five questions, five grade four math questions. Uh, I, I think I got uh, at least four out of the five right, so uh, that's 80%, which is a, I think, is that 80%? It is, right? 
Yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's a pass. That's a, maybe an A minus. All right. Yeah. Uh, so I can do grade four math. Uh, but sometimes with my kids, my kids uh, ask me to help them with, with their math. Uh, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just that this is what I think it is. I think it's the way that they're being taught to do math today is different than how I was. Right? Right? That's got to be it. That's got to be Because there's times where I'm looking at it and I'm going, like, I understand the question and here's how I would do it, but this is not at all how you're doing it. So where's the disconnect? It's either that or the last math course I took uh, in high school, I landed a 51%, <laughs> which was also a pass, but just, just barely. So math is not my, my strong point. But I want to talk about some math today. And uh, the title of my message is uh, Made for Multiplication. I really believe that God's, God's goal and God's model is one of multiplication. And we see that from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. In Genesis 1, 26 to 28, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. All right? So God says from the very beginning with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, I know I have a bunch of kids, but uh, the call to multiply, I believe, is so much greater than procreation. It's not just about us having a bunch of kids. It's about His glory being seen on our lives as we walk out of relationship with our, our Father, right? And as we reflect His image, that we go out into the world and we carry that glory and we lead others in knowing Him and in having relationship with Him as well. And that they become reflections of His glory as well. That what started in Eden would go out to the ends of the earth, and I believe that the way that that was supposed to happen was in and through our lives, through us. Be fruitful and multiply. This is the same thing that we see with, with Jesus, the second Adam, as Jesus uh, comes to restore humanity to that position of authority that was lost in the very beginning in Eden as they fell into sin and they chose to, to agree with the enemy over what God had said. They lost that position of dominion and authority. Jesus came to restore that to us, right? That we, could, that we once again could walk in his authority and having dominion and seeing his kingdom come and his will be done. Now, when you look at Jesus and, and his model and his ministry, it's really, uh, it's really interesting that the way that he does ministry is... Uh, as he begins and he's baptized by John in the Jordan River, the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove and he's driven by the Spirit into the wilderness where he's tempted by the enemy for 40 days and 40 nights. And after, after that, he comes back and the Bible says that, that he, he returned in the power of the Spirit, 
right? And one of the first things that he does out of that place is he looks to begin multiplying himself, right? And, and he calls disciples to him. In Mark 3, 13 to 15, it says, And he went up on, a, on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. Jesus' model is, is multiplication. Uh, there's a book by Dave Ferguson called Hero Maker. And in the book, he talks about how, you know, we may have this picture of Jesus as one, especially like preaching, uh, like with the Sermon on the Mount or, or feeding the 5,000. Uh, but the reality is he spent most of his time in training 12 other men, 12 disciples. Uh, one researcher says, going into the math, he says, uh, in looking at the Gospels, three quarters of the Gospels, the emphasis is on training the 12. Uh, he calculates that, that from the time of, of Jesus calling these guys his disciples unto, until his death, that um, 73% of his time was spent with the 12. That's, that's 46 events with the few compared with 17 events with the masses. And, th and that's almost a ratio of, of 3 to 1. 3 to 1 in terms of the amount of time that he spent pouring into these 12 other guys as disciples, looking to multiply himself, right? He spent the majority of his time investing in, in a few. And I would suggest to you that this ought to be our model as well. You know, and, and when it comes to the Great Commission and God's call in our lives to go and make disciples, uh, you know, we can, we can go to church uh, regularly. We can show up early and hungry and sing God's praises, and we can get involved in, in serving here. We can spend time outside of church daily with God in the Word and in, in prayer. We can get involved in a, in a life group within this community. You know, we can live a life of radical love and surrender to Jesus Christ. But I would suggest to you that if we aren't also, especially focused on multiplying ourselves and multiplying what God is doing in and through our lives, we're missing it. He didn't call us to, 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 to come and just be disciples. He said, go and make disciples, right? And so one of the questions I think we've got to wrestle with for every single one of us is this. How, how am I investing in somebody else? What does that look like for me? Because this isn't a call for the few. This is a call for every single one of us, right? To multiply. This is Jesus' model. And if we're to be effective as his disciples Discipleship isn't a, isn't a dead-end thing where we become a disciple and that's it. The outworking of us being a disciple is that we go and we make other disciples, right? We see the same example in the New Testament, uh, Paul's example 
In Acts 16, he recruits this young man named Timothy. And I, I love this because Timothy, he, he was a guy that didn't really have a, a perfect life. Perhaps his, his father was, was an absentee father uh, at, at best, or he was totally out of the picture. We're not sure. The Bible describes Timothy as one who was timid, uh, perhaps even fearful. Um, and yet Paul looks at Timothy and he goes, uh, here's a man that I can invest in. And, and so in, in 2 Timothy 2 verses 1 to 2, he says to Timothy, he says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. I don't know about you, but to me that sounds like multiplication. Paul is saying, and he's multiplying with, with Timothy, teach others. Go, go in, he says, I want you to, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust and trust the word of God to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So you got, you got Paul, you got Timothy, you got reliable witnesses, and then you've got others on top of that. that that's what multiplication looks like. And, and I, as I said before, I believe that this is something that all of us are called to do. This is God's, God's model from beginning to end is that we would be carriers of his glory. We would walk out of relationship with, with our dad and lead others in knowing him that they might reflect his glory as well and we might see his glory go out to the ends of the earth. We're called to multiply. So what it, I think in order for us to live out of a place of multiplication, one of the things that's key for us is developing a multiplication mindset. If we're, if we're to multiply, we need to have that kind of, of, of thinking, that mindset, right? That, we, that we're, we're looking and expecting and investing in such a way that, that we're multiplying. Uh, I, I love the scripture, and forgive me, this is one that I'm always going back to, but Mark chapter uh, 6 and the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, I just love the story as Jesus multiplies the loaves and fish. It says, uh, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go into surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. This is Jesus' disciples telling Jesus, send the crowds away. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. It says, when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus declared, di directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was about 5,000. They estimate that the total was probably 15,000, including women and children. 
Now, what we see here in this, in this story is, once again, God's heart uh, and his desire for things to multiply, right? He's about multiplying things. And, uh, and there's so many scriptures that we could go into to look at that. But in this one in particular, I want you to see the importance of having a multiplication mindset. And thoughts that, that potentially could keep us from living out of a place of multiplying. Okay? Like, like the disciples here. I want to suggest to you three, three thoughts that could keep us from living out of a place of multiplying. Uh, number one, we can't do this. We, we can't do this. Right? Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. And they're going, uh, where, how, uh, we can't, right? We can't do this. And I would suggest to you that the thought that we need to replace that with is, is this one. We can all do this. We can all do this. What struck me about the story this week is, is as I'm reflecting on it, how Jesus doesn't say to, to Peter, Peter, you give them something to eat, right? Or to James, James, I know you're good with food, so like whip something up for them, right? Or, or Andrew, Andrew, you are, the, you are the person of faith here. If there's anybody that has a gift of faith for multiplying food, it's, it's you, so you, you do it. He says to them, to all of them, he says, you give them something to eat, Right? I, I would suggest to you that Jesus isn't kidding, right? He, he's not setting them up for failure here. He's actually given them his authority, and he's been training them up until this point to do the works that he has been doing even greater, right? And so when he's saying to them, you give them something to eat, he means it. He's giving them permission to walk in the supernatural and to be empowered by his spirit to do the very same works, right? You do it. And I would suggest to you, when it comes to multiplying, we've got to have that kind of a mindset. It's not the preacher who stands up on a Sunday that's the one who's called to multiply. It's not my life group leader who's like, wow, this person is so great at relating to people and bringing people in, and well, ah, this multiplying thing is for them. No, 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 no. It's for all of us. Every single one of us, everyone is needed. It's the, and as I look at the story, it's bigger than any one of us can do on our own anyways, right? Everyone's involved, right? Just, just thinking about, like, okay, so it, it, the disciples are involved because they're the ones that are going and, and finding out what we have in the first place. The boy with the lunch is involved, because he's the one that's brought the food that's going to be used for multiplying. I was even thinking about the baskets. This never hit me before, but I guess a lot of people had baskets, because they had baskets, 12 basketfuls, says the Bible, left over afterwards. So even they're involved in the miracle, right? Everyone is involved in this. And I just want to encourage you. You know, sometimes we can, the devil can trip us up where we get, we get, fall into that comparison trap, right? Where we look at somebody else and we go, oh, I can't teach or preach like they can. I can't relate to people like they can. I can't share the gospel like they can. I can't, you know, 
I, I don't have the capacity that that person has, you know? I don't have the, the home that they have or the car that they have or like you name it. Where we look at the gifts or, or the material possessions of others or the time or what, whatever it is and we start to, to, to just limit what's possible, what God could actually do in and through our lives, what he wants to do, what he's already called us to do. Don't fall into that comparison trap. Like, he's made you you for a reason. And yeah, you can't do what someone else can do, but they can't do what you can do. They don't have the gifts that you do. They don't know the people that you do. Right? Every one of us is called to this thing of each one reach one. Go out and make disciples. If every single one of us, it, it's not, we, we all are needed. This is for all of us, okay? We all can do this. Number two, we don't have enough. We don't have enough. This, is, this mindset really needs to be replaced by, by, I believe, this one. There's always more than enough. There is always more than enough. You know, the disciples are tired. They've been, they've been on the go, and they're going, just send people, we don't have enough rest. If I could just get some time to rest, right? You know, we don't have enough money. Jesus, this would take more than a year's wages. We don't have enough, right? We certainly don't have enough bread. All we've got is five loaves and two fish. And when we live out of this place of we don't have enough, what we'll find ourselves doing is maintaining the little bit that we think is ours rather than giving and stewarding that well in such a way that we can receive that which God wants to give us in the first place. Right? Where our focus is on the little and we start protecting and looking after that when the key to multiplication is us just recognizing and giving what we have. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10, it says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And how does that happen? It happens as we sow. It happens as we give. And, th and the way in which we can be a generous people and give of what we have is to remind ourselves of who our dad is and the fact that it all belongs to him anyways and that with him, as we see in the story, there's always more than enough. Yeah? Number three, <clears throat> it's up to us. It's up to us. This thing of multiplying... It's up to us. Yeah, I hear you, Greg. We got to do this, right? What the, the, the thought we need to replace that with is this. God's going to do this. God's going to do this. We can't do this alone, right? But, but he hasn't called us to do it uh, alone. We don't have enough. But, but he has everything, right? It, it is up to us, but not in our own strength. It's up to us to partner with him in what he's already said and in what he's already doing. Are you with me? Yeah. When I live out of a place of it's up to us, what it leads to for me is, is just burden is frustration, 
it's just feeling tired. You know, I'm like, oh. And, and feeling bad, right? Like, oh, I know I should be doing this, but I just don't feel like it, right? And it's this thing in so many ways of, of self-reliance. Each one of these things, this we can't do this, we don't have enough, it's up to us. All of these things have a measure of truth in them, but they're not the full truth. And the problem with them is especially the focus and our, 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 our thinking, we need to change our mindset. We need to shift our thinking off of, off of ourselves, off of our ability, off of our capacity or our supply, and onto Christ, right? Onto his word, onto what he's commanded, onto his authority that we walk in, right? And onto the people around us, those people who are spiritually lost, who are hungry, who are hurting, who are in need, who don't yet know him, right? And if we are, I, I firmly believe that if we are to live out of God's model of multiplication, we need to change our mindset, that we operate with a mindset of multiplication. Because the truth is, he's already called us to do this, right? He's already empowered us to do it. He's already provided what we need to do it. He's promised to be with us in the doing it. And he's going to accomplish all that he's called us to do in and through our lives, through his spirit at work within us. We just need to believe it and shift our focus off of ourselves and our circumstances and to put it back on him. I, I want to spend the last part of our time together just talking about some practical ways where I, I feel like in this season especially we can, we can get involved in this thing of multiplying. And, and the first and the most important one I think um, to me is, is this. I, I believe that multiplication starts in us. It starts in us. Whatever God is going to multiply through us, it's going to start, he'll first multiply it in you, right? The kingdom of God is within you, right? Like it starts from within, right? That little bit of yeast that just leavens the whole bunch, right? That, that small mustard seed that grows and becomes a tree, and it starts within us, his rule and reign in our lives. Second uh, Peter 1 verse, verse 2, it says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. May it be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Paul says, or Peter says, may, may it be multiplied, that grace and peace, in you, to you. In, and how does that happen? Through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not just through understanding this is who he is, but knowing him personally, experiencing him within our lives, surrendering our lives to him and allowing his spirit to transform us from the inside out, that we would live, as we talked about earlier, out of that place of peace and joy and reflect him well to the world. Peter says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. 
In other words, it starts with you and what he is doing in you. If we are to be effective in God's call in our life, if we are to bear much fruit, it starts with us being rooted and grounded and remaining in him. Surrender to him, allowing him to do that work within us. And I pray for each one of us that grace and peace in Jesus Christ through our knowledge of him would be multiplied would be multiplied. Because I believe God wants to bring us to the point where this is no longer a, okay, I'm hearing this week after week, and I need to do this thing, and I feel, oh, I just, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. i got so much going on, right? But that we're living out of a place of, man, I'm so in love. <laughs> I'm so in love. Like, I can't help but share this. I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's too good. It's too good for me to keep it to myself. I can't shut up about him because I know him and I'm living out of a life-changing encounter with him that I want everybody to know. He, he doesn't want us to do it out of a place of obligation. He's looking for lovers, right? Out of love. And when you're motivated by love, it changes everything. It starts within you. The second thing that I would encourage us with in, in and how to multiply is prayer. Praying for others. Uh, Luke two, 10 verse 2, it's, Jesus is talking about the harvest. And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I, it's, in other words, the harvest is too big for any one of us to take it in by ourselves. We've got to multiply we, there, there needs to be more workers. There needs to be more disciples because he's, he's after all of his kids coming home. And the starting point to that, especially, is prayer. Is prayer. Is praying. God, who is that one person for me? God, bring me, bring me opportunities and divine encounters that I could, I could share your love and I could, I could begin to invest in the lives of the people around me that they might come to know you as well. God, give me opportunities. Give me boldness. God, God make me a, a sweet fragrance that other people would just want to be around and would be attracted to, to you and me, right? Especially praying for that multiplication. Number three, and this is, this is one of the things that I'm, I'm wrestling with and seeing the real need for, is carving out time. Carving out time for multiplication. It's interesting, like, when, when you look at the book of Acts, 39 out of the 40 miracles that took place, took place outside the church. Outside of the church. And I, I'm... I'm regularly encouraged by what God is doing here within our midst, right? But he, he's looking to break out and to multiply, for this here, to multiply out there, right? And, and if that is to happen, even as Steve talked about last week, we are someone else's encounter with God, right? We're, we're a walking, breathing, living, divine encounter where other people meet us and hear us and, and relate to us, and they encounter Jesus through our lives. When, when you look at Jesus' time and, and his spending of his time, uh, as I said before, like 
all, almost three quarters of his time was focused on this thing of multiplication. How do I spend my time? Well, like we, especially in North America, like our culture, it's so busy. We have so little time, right? But we do have time. And how are we stewarding that time? What are those things that we may need to let go of and say no to in order that we can prioritize his mission and this thing of of multiplication? Uh, John 3, verse 22, it says, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them. Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them. They hung out with him. They did ministry alongside him. They spent time together. This, this word, phrase, spend time, it, it's from the Greek word diatribo. And, and dia means against, and tribo means to rub. To rub up against. Literally, it means to spend time together rubbing off on each other. And you and I can, can do that today. This is something that all of us can do. I think part of the, part of the, the, the barrier and the challenge for, for some people in multiplication is this thing of, like, we go, I don't know everything. Like, I'm scared even in presenting the gospel that I'm going to get it wrong. Like, I don't know the four spiritual laws or, you know, what if they ask me about the Trinity? Like, I, I just don't know how to explain that. Right? Or like, what do I, what do, I do? And we've, we've, we're coming out of a place of, of being isolated and kind of doing our own thing. And even like interacting with my neighbors can feel weird and, and awkward, right? But I would just encourage you that multiplication is so much about just spending time. He's in you. Is he not? He's in you, the Spirit of God. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you and is looking to work through you, through your words, through your actions, through through your countenance, through your attitude, right? Just what does it look like for you to spend time with people? Uh, That's where we can invest. Maybe what that looks like for you right now is, I don't know, bringing a, a gift to your coworker at Christmas. Just going, hey, here. Merry Christmas, right? Maybe it's walking down the street and giving like cookies to your, your neighbors or singing carols or that one family that you've started to kind of get to know a little bit, inviting them into your house to share a meal together. It takes time. It takes relationship, right? And just through being with you, people are going to start to see the change in you. They're going to want what you have, right? And so I would encourage you in this season, in this season, open up your home. Look for opportunities to just spend time with people that don't know him and watch what happens. Uh, Fourthly, and this is my last point. Some of you are like, Craig, shut up. Okay, use what you have. Use what you have. And like I said, your home, every, every one of us has a place to live, yeah? 
right now if you don't come talk to me afterwards because <laughs> we, we want you to have a place to live. But what does it look like for you to use your home to store that well in spending time with others? Each one of us has a story, our own God story of how we've encountered him. What does it look like for you to steward that well, right? Your, your story is something that is so powerful that's, that people can't, like, like they, it's your story. They can't refute your story. That's your experience with God, right? For me, one of the stories that, that I'm standing on these days is uh, how God healed my head. I, I had, since the 20th of August, where I almost passed out at the Eaton Center, my wife's going, uh, do I call an ambulance? What do you want me to do? Uh, I had three MRIs because every day I had a headache. I was nauseous. Uh, they found a cyst on my brain, and they're like, mm, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to keep my eyes on Jesus, right? And it's not like it was, it was, uh, um, it was manageable. It was manageable. It was like the the athlete that's playing with a, an injury, that they can still play, but you notice that it's there all the time. And every day I'm waking up with a headache. Right? And, and sometimes, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was challenging. Um, on the 18th of November, I, I was at a conference in Pickering with a bunch of others. And I don't know how to explain it to you other than I got a word from the Lord. Where I knew that I knew that I knew that he was doing something. And uh, Mark eleven twenty four, 24, where Jesus says, Therefore, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be done for you. I couldn't remember the last time I hadn't taken Advil. Uh, and I was on the, the higher dose of medication to prevent headaches. But that day I'm like, I'm, I'm done tolerating this thing of the enemy. And I'm going to stand on this word. Uh, I, I got off all medication. And that was a Friday. And by Sunday I woke up without a headache for the first time in three months. And... And since that time, my symptoms are almost completely gone. And, and I'm, I'm continuing to stand on that word. You know? And sometimes it's an immediate thing, right? Sometimes it's something where we go, I'm going to trust you and stand on your word instead of my feelings and my circumstances right now. Right? But that's something that he, he's done in me recently where I go, this is my story. This is my testimony. And I'm so grateful to God for what he's done here. He can do the same thing in your life, right? All of us have a story. I'd encourage you in this season to steward that story well, right? As you invite other people to just come and hang out with you, just share about how God's been good to you. Start there and watch how other, others' hearts are awakened to his love as well. At that same conference, uh, Marcus Herbert, he didn't preach here on a, a Sunday, but he met with some of us as leaders. He said this, when we pour our lives into, other, into others, things start to make sense. When we pour our lives into others, things just start to make sense. I, I would encourage us in this. We're, we're made to multiply. This is, this is what we're made for. This season, look for opportunities to introduce others to who you know him to be. Let's pray.
Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, that this isn't a call for one, it's a call for all. And, and that we need each other. We need each other. We cannot do this on our own. And our focus isn't on ourselves, isn't on what we have, it's on you and who you are and what you have and what you've called us to do. You're so good. You're so good. And I pray that we would, th this season, live out of your goodness and represent you well to a world that is so hungry to know you, but they just don't know it yet. Lord, we, may we be instruments of your love. May you give us many opportunities to invest in others and, and to see your good news and, and this thing of, of making disciples multiplied again and again and again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.